Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11 a.m. on the dot Pacific Standard Time. It is the 5th of December, 2022. This is episode 649 of Bitcoin. And boy, we are just rolling on to the end of the year. Have you guys thought about what you are going to do in 2023? I mean, like anything. This This is the time to start thinking about it, especially if you're in the colder climate like I am. And going outside is a brief visit because it's 25 degrees. I actually live in a place now that has real winter. You know, I grew up, I was born and grew up and lived the majority of my life in West Texas. Yeah, it would get cold, but, uh, you know, 60, you know, 50, 40 degrees days are not 25 degree days with snow everywhere that will not melt. So it is definitely different in Eastern Washington than it was in West Texas. And I, for one, actually appreciate being able to see what a real winter looks like. Although I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to enjoy the snow at the end of it. And that sucks too, by the way, because I always loved it when it snowed. But I have a sneaky suspicion that if I were to say how much I love the snow up here, people would look at me cross-eyed because it snowed once, it all melted off, and then it snowed again. And I don't think it's going to go away until spring. And that's the first time that I've ever seen that. I find it fascinating, but not as fascinating as Boostergrams. We got some from episode 648 of Bitcoin. And we have Van Man Jr. with 10,000 Satoshis. Probably ought to check out the charities that the FTX donations were sent to. Most likely just another way to wash the money back to themselves. I fully agree with that. I think that's exactly what's happening. And like I said in the show when we were talking, uh, Friday show when we were talking about the fact that all these senators that got these campaign contributions, instead of giving them back, to a fund for the liquidators of FTX to be able to pass on to the creditors. No, 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 no. They're just going to go ahead and, and redonate them somewhere else. And that's bullshit. All right. First of all, I, I don't even know if that shit's quite legal at this point. I, I'm sure there's like, it's, there's enough loopholes that it can be legal, but feel it in your hearts, heart of hearts, folks. Do you think it's right? No, it's not right. It should go back to the liquidators so that whatever creditors can be made whole, even though that most of retail is going to be left holding the bag and the only people that are going to be made quote unquote whole are the great big creditors. 
God's sakes. And I, I fully expect that these donations to these charities, I fully expect these charities actually to be set up <clears throat> by the people that they are getting donated from. And somehow or another, they're going to get that money back in one form, a fashion or another. Bubba, 10,000 Satoshis. One of my emails is bscfr at which stands for batshit crazy fucker. You're in good company. <laughs> Pitar with a striper boost. Read on air. Calling out my friend Jeremy, who I got to listen to this podcast. Says he likes it and has yet to boost it. Just boost it, bro. And then Pitar comes back and says, oh wait, he did. Never mind. Sorry, bro. Letter 6173 <clears throat> with uh, the big striper boost says, whole episode was fire and he's got like three little fire emojis here batoshi with a 5000 satoshis good to have you back <clears throat> and we have a couple of long ones from bit happens 1331 321 sats conjecture was bitcoin over anticipated bitcoin may have influenced those with capabilities involving time prior to emergence various sciences fingerprint clues weaved into historicity historicity and some temporal mechanics how's not so important as is it possible say for national equity or security if sufficiently powerful entities were somehow exploring different destinies time streams slash time streams might they decide to exercise controls over tech over history against mad belligerence and even protocols his second uh, boost is 123 Satoshis. And he continues and says, that's more or less my 500 character premise and no worries to call me bat signal shit crazy. Do we need more Art Bell type discussions? Perhaps not, but perhaps. Tell if gets too fringe or offensive. No, not at all, dude. Also, I feel Kanye is really a toddler level mystery, a conspiracy of one. I love that. <laughs> I'm a conspiracy of one. <laughs> it's just me and my soul conspiring against the world. How does one puppet fool himself into believing that he's fooled everyone? Same way SBF did, just different scenario and way less cover storylines. Okay, yeah, I've I've been looking at his first uh, his first boostagram, uh, Bitcoin being over anticipated. It's not outside the realm of possibility, and and I think what he's saying, and you know, if if I get this wrong, feel free to correct me. But I think what he's saying is that with the advent of Bitcoin, we jumped all over it because it was the first thing out of the gate that we saw that actually solves the problem. But here's my pushback. It actually solved the problem. I'm not looking for Bitcoin 2.0 and I never am going to look for Bitcoin 2.0. We've got the framework that we need. And so I'm not gonna say that you were wrong insofar that it was over-anticipated, but I, I mean, I just have that pushback that it just so happens that even if it was over-anticipated, it just so happens that Bitcoin fits the bill. Now, there's some other things in that boostagram that he's talked about, but uh, I, I've got to really read back through that a few times. But I wanted to hit the Bitcoin being over-anticipated because I, I definitely see where you're coming from. 
But that ends up being one of the principal arguments that shitcoiners uh, make to me to sort of, you know, well, you should consider Ethereum. I'm never going to consider Ethereum. All it did was digitize the financial, the legacy financial mainframe that we already have. We needed something that was completely not that. And again, Bitcoin, in my humble opinion, fits that bill. So therefore, even if, even if something came out later that was not Bitcoin, had some sort of immaculate conception, was not pre-mined, what doesn't have any of the hallmarks of the altcoin ICO shitcoin leveraged over the top DeFi crap. And would I consider it? My answer is no, because I don't have time to reconsider something even if, even if it is just as good. Because I don't need anything just as good. I need the thing that is good. I'm never going to let perfect be the enemy of the good. Because when you do that, you some things just, they can get just laid waste. Now, if I got your idea wrong, absolutely let me know. But that's sort of the way that I, that's what I came away with when looking at all this. Now, what do we got in news? It is the news you can use. If you noticed, <clears throat> I changed the cover art for the entire show to the head of my now defunct avatar from Twitter. And I think it's, I just did that uh, this weekend. So if you're seeing a different thing in your podcast apps as to the header or the uh, cover art for the show as a whole, that's why. And I also changed the tagline uh, to something a little bit more, you know, friendly. It's the news you can use because I hope that that's what this is, is something you can use. If you don't have the time to read the daily Bitcoin news, that's what I'm doing for you. So let's get into it. First of all, data suggests <clears throat> Bitcoin miners have capitulated and the bottom is close. Not in, but close. Zach Vol, Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin miners often suffer the burnt or burnt brunt of the bear market woes thanks to some of the industry's highest capital expenditures, smallest margins, and most unreliable infrastructure. Although the current bearish phase has been one of Bitcoin's shallowest drawdowns, miners have suffered more than ever. Layoffs, bankruptcies, lawsuits, and other negative press have battered one of Bitcoin's most prominent sectors. But every bear market eventually finds a bottom. The pain climaxes and things slowly begin to recover. A variety of data suggests mining has reached this point of its market cycle, which could offer a bit of optimism going into the new year. Before diving into the data, it might help to understand what capitulation is. The term is commonly used in financial markets to reference an acute and often dramatic crescendo of fear or widespread surrender by investors or businesses during the throes of depressed market conditions. Basically, everyone says, it's over, we can't take this anymore. For mining, capitulation basically means the economics become so bad and operating margins are so thin that miners choose to quit or simply cannot operate anymore and are squeezed out of the market. One of the hallmark signs of minor capitulation in this author's opinion at the current stage of the ongoing bear market is the full pivot from financial analysts who report on publicly traded mining companies. 
For the past 12 months, these analysts have preached about the upside potential of Bitcoin mining stocks. But now, they're pulling the plug. This language was used by Chris Brindler of DA Davidson to describe his outlook on the mining sector. Since July, Brindler has said that the current market conditions were a good time to buy mining stocks, as reported by Coindesk. In December of 2021, J.P. Morgan's analyst Reginald Smith also wrote a memo that said one particular mining company, Iris Energy, has more than 100% upside. He also suggested the current stock price was at a deep discount. Shares of the company were trading around $14 at the time of the memo. Now they're trading below $2, an even deeper discount. If Wall Street giving up on mining isn't capitulation, then what is? For the entity of the bear market to date, <clears throat> sorry, entity, for the entirety of the bear market to date, the Bitcoin hash rate has steadily grown larger, forcing difficulty increase after increase on struggling miners, but the trend might be changing. In early December, the next adjustment is set to drop by almost a full 11% at the time of writing. This drop will be caused by hash rate falling, which is notably off of its recent all-time highs and currently sitting near 240 exahashes per second. Normally, a dip in hash rate and difficulty would not be too significant, but seven of the past nine difficulty adjustments have been positive. And in context of the incessant hash rate growth and subsequent hash price collapse, the apparent trend reversal for hash rate is notable. Some miners appear to be throwing in the metaphorical towel and taking their machines offline. Discussing the hash rate and difficulty on Twitter in context of whether miners were capitulating, Foundry Senior Vice President Kevin Zhang simply replied, yes. Generating fear, uncertainty, and doubt around on-chain movements of Bitcoin from miner addresses is a popular pastime for Twitter influencers, and observing miner balances can be helpful. Current data shows notably larger balances compared to just a month ago. In short, net selling activity by miners appears to have subsided, and their stockpiles of Bitcoin are on the rise again. Bitcoin mining address balances have seen small reductions over the past year, but the line chart below shows data that indicate a trend reversal is beginning. One-hop miner balances have increased by over 3%, or roughly 85,000 BTC since early October. Perhaps miners decided it's time to hodl again, and indeed, the line chart that is offered here is going up and to the right after a very big dip around November the 10th and then another one around November the 14th. One other piece of on-chain data that fuels mining FUD is outflows, the activity of miner addresses moving coins from those addresses to some other location. In mid-November, these outflows spiked to their highest level since June, which could indicate that fear and panic in the market has affected at least a few miners. Not surprisingly, the spike in outflows occurred at the same time as the collapse of FTX and its subsequent fallout were making headlines. It should be noted that any inferences from on-chain data-like outflows are informed guesstimates at best. Bitcoin network data is a useful tool for contextualizing certain market events, but it is far from infallible or unmanipulatable. But miners are notoriously bad at timing markets, <laughs> and the timing of this sudden spike in coin movements could reasonably suggest some panicking miners. In the following week, however, outflows fell back to normal levels and have remained there as of the time of this writing. So did miners panic near the market bottom? Very possibly. 
Assuming the above analysis is correct and capitulation has indeed occurred, the market will not immediately recover. As the dust settles and survivors emerge, the process of building and scaling more mining infrastructure will be as slow, expensive, and tedious as ever. Winners are built in the bear market, and after some of the largest mining companies have sold Bitcoin balances down to nearly zero and even sold significant amounts of mining hardware in desperate attempts to stay operational, all that's left is survival or bankruptcy. Of course, things could always get worse overnight. This article suggests the weak and panicked have been squeezed out, and the time for recovery is here. Now is the time to be optimistic, not bearish. Well, we should always be optimistic. We Honestly, we should always be optimistic, right? But facts, bro, facts. We're not done with FTX yet. We have yet to see whether or not any of the miners that we know have exposure to FTX through loans and what have you. We have yet to see the effects, or at least all of them. We're not at the end of this is what I'm saying. We're not at the end. Does that mean turn into a bear? No. Don't sell your Bitcoin for God's sakes, y'all. Just, I mean, unless you're planning on dying tomorrow, don't sell. We got all, you, you just hold through it. I've, I've been here before several times. And people, you know, even I've said that it gets better. Eh, I'm going to change that sentiment. It doesn't get better. It gets different. You feel about these things in a different way, but there's, it's still always like getting kicked in the crotch. You know, I mean, I'm human like anybody else. I still have the problem of viewing BTC in terms of fiat value. And I don't know why I know fiat is just a shit coin. So why in the hell do I can, that's like comparing the price of BTC to Ethereum or to God forbid Doge, right? So whatever the market brings, whether we're in a capitulation, whether capitulation in the bottom is in or not, the only real path through hell is to keep on going. And it was that Winston Churchill and he was saying, when you're going through hell, don't stop. You know what he's saying is, Don't stop because you're still going to be in hell. You need to get the hell out of it. And certainly don't turn around because you still have to get through this thing. And you're just going to prolong the inevitable, right? In our case is retail, you know, small holders. We're kind of at the whim of the market. We can't just wave a magic wand and say, magically, the hell is gone and we're on the other side. No, no, no. You have to be prepared to walk through that hell. You know, just pretend, just pretend, you know, you're a kid again and, you know, Flora, floor is lava. Now, speaking of burning in the hellfire, Pakistan launches new laws to expedite CBDC launch by 2025. Pakistan, you're going the wrong direction. And Arjit Sarkar tells us why from Cointelegraph, regulators worldwide See central bank digital currencies as a way to enslave, I mean, enhance fiat capabilities by inheriting the financial prowess of technologies that power cryptocurrencies. Pakistan joined this list of idiots by announcing new regulations to ensure the launch of an in-house CBDC by 2025. 
The State Bank of Pakistan signed in new laws for electronic money institutions, non-bank entities offering digital payment instruments, to ensure the timely issuance of a slave coin, otherwise known as a CBDC, in the next three years. The World Bank helped Pakistan designed the new regulations according to local media Arab News. Let me read that again. The World Bank helped Pakistan's government design the new regulations. What does that tell you? That means tell, means Pakistan is captured by the World Bank, which is the IMF and the World Economic Form, uh, Foundation. Whatever the fuck World Economic Formation is. whatever I don't care. Whatever it is. All these people are the same group and they're telling Pakistan how shit's going to be and they are going to get a CBDC and they are going to have it in by 2025 and the Pakistani people are going to suffer greatly because of it. Continuing on, the state bank SBP will issue licenses to EMIs for CBDC issuance. During the announcement, finance minister and slave Assad Umar stated that using EMIs in promoting the digital economy will safeguard financial institutions from cybersecurity threats bullshit. Deputy Governor of SBP Jamil Ahmad envisions curbing fiat-induced corruption and inefficiencies through CBDCs. He said, quote, these landmark regulations are a testament of the SBP's commitment towards openness, adoption of technology, and digitization of our financial system. How come your commitment isn't to the people of Pakistan? Why is your... Hold on here. Why is... I had a little phone call. I need to turn my phone off. I don't know why I didn't do that. Why is your commitment to adoption of technology... Why is your commitment the digitization of your financial system? I don't see a commitment to your customers, to your people, to the citizenry of Pakistan. That's, I don't see it. I don't see that mentioned anywhere in there. That should tell you everything you need to know about the intent of the Central Bank of Pakistan. Continuing on, the commencement of a speedy regulatory environment places Pakistan among the nearly 100 countries that are actively involved in researching how to enslave their populace. I mean, launching CBDC initiatives. Neighboring country India, oh God, India also recently joined the race to launch a homegrown CBDC. On November the 22nd, the Reserve Bank of India announced an ambitious plan to launch a retail CBDC pilot by the end of 2022. Indian Central Bank RBI is reportedly in the final stages of preparing the retail digital rupee pilot rollout, which will be initially tested among 10,000 to 50,000 users of participating banks. Now, an idea just popped in my head of all those people that are no coiners that say, well, yeah, well, what if the internet goes down? Then how's you, how do you value your precious Bitcoin? If the internet goes down, all of the world has problems and Bitcoin is the smallest one of them. I'm just saying. Bitcoin has more hope, has more hope to be able to survive an internet. I, I know, I know it. you're freaking out already. I get it. But Bitcoin has the most survival possibility because of its small block size to be able to weather massive global internet outages because ham radio. I, I get it. 
I get it. It was it was almost impossible for us to get 11,000 or, you know, however many people run nodes to run their own Bitcoin node. And it's going to be even more difficult to teach somebody how to relay transaction and block headers over ham radio, but it's not impossible. Why? Because the data set, the data set, especially for those people that already have nodes and we already have a copy of the full blockchain and we don't need to do an initial blockchain download again and we keep copies of the ledger, then all we're transmitting is block headers and transaction data. That can be done because we're not talking about immense blocks. Who gets hosed? Ethereum. Who gets hosed? Uh, BCH. Who else gets hosed? That idiot that is the guy that keeps claiming that he's Satoshi Nakamoto and BSV. That's who gets hosed. That's why it was important to keep blocks small, ladies and gentlemen. But I digress. The thing is, <clears throat> is that for the no coiners who are saying that Bitcoin can't survive an internet outage or like, I don't know, like wide scale uh, cyber terrorism or something like that, dude, they're not going after Bitcoin first. They're going to go after the banks. And even if nobody's going after anybody and it's just like a meteorite strikes, the banks, if, if a global internet outage occurs, the banks are fucking hosed especially after they installed this CBDC bullshit. Okay, so everybody's at risk, not just a certain group. You, you want to see cities burn to the ground, turn off the internet. I mean, one, not just restrict usage and your ability to get a TikTok video out. I mean, full scale, there's nothing on the internet anywhere. It's just a blank screen. Cities will burn to the ground. Can't pay your, most people are used to paying their bills online. Most people are used to shopping online. There's a lot of people that get their food online for, for God, I don't know why, but they do. And all of a sudden, all that shit goes away. Yeah, you got bigger problems, hon. Now, this next one. <clears throat> Bitcoin is consciousness raising technology on the path toward enlightenment. Ah, I hope this is, Filled with good vibes. Bitcoin Magazine, written by Nozomi Hayes, I think is how you pronounce it. Bitcoin is the hardest form of money that has ever been invented. The enthusiasm that has emerged around this technology has been slowly revitalizing our society. The Bitcoin space is filled with hope and joy. This contrasts with the low morale of the fear-driven fiat world where a majority of people feel unhappy and dissatisfied with their lives. It is clear that money has a large influence on our mental and emotional state. It carries certain energies that could affect every aspect of society, but po both positively and negatively. David R. Hawkins, a renowned psychiatrist and physician who studied the science of human consciousness, documents how our consciousness evolved through different stages. In his book, Power versus Force, The Hidden Determinants of Human Behavior, Hawkins maps out the scale of consciousness within a range from 0 to 1,000. These determinants are categorized as shame, re, uh, rated lowest at 20, guilt, apathy, grief, fear, desire, anger, pride, courage, neutrality, willingness, acceptance, reason, love, joy, peace, and enlightenment, rated highest at 700 to 1,000. Fiat money is based on trust in a central authority. 
This setup at its foundation negates self-agency. People are made to externalize responsibility for their own lives, projecting that onto institutions and denying their own capacity to take care of themselves. Interfaced with the centralized national currency, institutions like church and state perform a role of a trusted third party to govern citizens' everyday affairs. Hierarchically organized religions with an abstract image of God that constantly judges and criticizes uses shame and guilt to regulate people's motivations and desires. As a society becomes more secular, a political system takes over the church's moral authority. A wealthy few combine market forces with electoral politics to create an illusion of democracy. Quote, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. Edward Bernays in Propaganda, published 1928. <clears throat> that was a long time ago to understand that notion. In this system, which exerts control under the guise of representative government, humans are treated like cattle. They are being reduced to functioning primarily from animal instincts, becoming less conscious. Hawkins places courage at level 200, defining it as the critical point in one's evolution of consciousness where power first appears. Defining power as something that supports life, he differentiates it from force. Courage is generated when an individual uses his or her own initiative freely. This activates the intelligence of the heart. This consciousness is the power that is accessible uniquely by us human beings. It helps us to go beyond a survival-based existence and allows us to experience higher emotions that are not available to other species. The fiat system prevents the emergence of this heart's intelligence. By denying each person's will to self-determination, it keeps our state at being a low level. With economic incentives that give them the advantage, those who control money printing conditions each person to view himself or herself as part of the group, not as an individual. In the name of, quote, for the good of society, end quote, the public is made to neglect its own needs and desires to cater to the private agendas of a small minority at the top of the hierarchy. By punishing anyone who tries to act out of his or her own best interest as being too selfish, the system enforces conformity. In this digital age, it seems like assaults on the value of individuality are being carried out on social media. With the help of tech giant censorship and algorithmic control, billionaires behind the managed democracy have launched identity politics. This old tactic of divide and conquer separates the people based on gender, race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation, pitting one group against the another to rule them all. <clears throat> Puppet politicians promote the specific interests and concerns of one particular group, generating animosity and victimhood for the others. The conflict created in the electoral arena pulls people into engaging in a political battle. Aggravated by toxic tribalism, people feel their safety is threatened. They become easily triggered by survival, fear, and act with fight-or-flight reactions. Now, in this COVID-19 pandemic, media-hyped fear has pushed human consciousness further into a downward spiral. Lockdowns have created isolation and a lack of social connection generating anxiety. 
as if they were placed under a kind of hypnotic spell. The general populace has begun to act like a herd, becoming obedient to authorities. <clears throat> a Belgium psychologist and statistician, Matthias Desmet, observed and explained the phenomenon with his theory of, you guessed it, mass formation psychosis. He analyzed how those who are affected by these psychological conditions would lose the capacity for independent decision-making and become more willing to give up their own freedom. Dr. Robert Malone, a physician whose early work focused on mRNA technology, popularized the term on an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. With slogans like, we're all in this together, governments and health experts around the world have been pushing a medical mandate uniting people to serve for the interests of Big Pharma. The Great Reset of the system is now underway. In July of 2020, the group behind the initiatives of the World Economic Forum, yeah, there we go, World Economic Forum, published an action plan titled Building Back Better in the name of creating stakeholder capitalism and using the method of centralization, it is aiming to re-engineer the economy to create technocratic communism. Around the vaccine passport program, efforts are being carried out to roll out central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. This monetary system, which is able to track and censor all transactions, could be used to launch a China-style social credit scoring system through which human beings are trained to think and act like robots. Meanwhile, a digital dictatorship is on the horizon. The forces that try to regress the evolution of consciousness intensify on the internet. At Davos 2020, Yuval Noah Harari spoke on the hacking of humanity at the World Economic Forum. Quote, We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. That's what we are. End quote. In a dystopian future, technological advances such as artificial intelligence could be used to hijack the human mind, severing our connection to the intelligence of the heart. Facebook, which has nearly 2.9 billion monthly active users, God only knows why, is now developing the metaverse, which is a virtual 3D reality aimed at bringing all forms of learning, socializing, collaborating, and playing online. These are their stated goals, but once complete, Will they be able to control our emotions and thoughts directly from the inside? While normies are deeply sucked into the epidemic of madness, Bitcoiners seem not to be affected by it. Instead of living in a constant state of anxiety and despair, they remain relentlessly optimistic. Plebs don't easily succumb to mainstream media's doom and gloom headlines. They don't care about what politicians are doing. Their laser-beamed eyes pierce through lies and deceptions, and they cannot be fooled by the tricks of the clown world. Being firmly grounded in their own reality, hodlers confront fear with courage. Here's a tweet from Guy Swan that says, Imagine thinking after two years, three boosters, 90% mass compliance, 90% vaccinated, lockdowns across the globe, 13 variants, three waves, and everything else, that if we just have vaccine mandates and take another jab, this will all be over. The only way out is to just stop. The invention of computer science has opened up a path for humanity's ascendance. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bitcoin white paper published by the pseudonymous author Satoshi Nakamoto <clears throat> presented a way for us to secure individuality as a foundation stone for the building blocks of what it means to be human. 
Through the method of decentralization, which distributes trust across the network, new incentives have now been created that align everyone's self-interest. This allows us to begin integrating parts of ourselves that have been rejected by our society. Now, those of us who are willing can start to claim full ownership of our property, our own independent mind, body, and spirit. The higher state of consciousness cannot be attained if we don't first accept ourselves fully. Without healthy self-love, one can't create a sense of happiness and joy. Only individuals who value themselves can claim their own power and produce a value for others. The network of highly self-valued individuals begins to free humanity from a state of ignorance that has been perpetuating misery and suffering. The heart of Bitcoin mining beating every 10 minutes transmutes the emotions rooted in the survival mechanisms of the brain into generating vitality and life. Each person attaining sovereignty helps to raise consciousness of humanity towards enlightenment, increasing love and peace for the world. Okay, good. Nozomi had a relatively upbeat article. And I, I love that because some of this shit can get really depressing, honestly, you know, but it is the news. That's why I bring it to you. I don't bring it to you because I want to bring you down. I bring you the news so that you know what the hell's going on. I'm just the weatherman. Okay. I'm not picking and choosing sad stories or happy stories to try to, you know, do something to your consciousness. No, this is just what's going on today. So thank you, Nozomi, for bringing us at least a little bit of joy. All right, let's get into this one. Crypto community baffled by SBF dictating terms over congressional hearing. Prashant Jha from Cointelegraph. Sam Bankman-Fried, the former CEO of now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX, has declined to testify before United States Congress until he's, quote, finished learning and reviewing what happened. Mm -hmm. Bankman-Fried's unwillingness to testify before the Congress slated for December the 13th, despite a barrage of media appearances, didn't go down well with the crypto community. After a spiraling collapse of FTX and its sister companies in the second week of November, Bankman Fried made his first live public appearance on November the 30th during the New York Times Deal Book Summit. A day later, he appeared in a Good Morning America interview in a Twitter space hosted by IBC Group founder and CEO Mario Knopfel. Alex Berenson, an author by profession, took a quip at Bankman Fried's refusal to testify despite his media frenzy and said that the former CEO is happy to talk with anyone and everyone just as long as he's not under oath. Zero Hedge, a popular libertarian financial blog, mocked the whole debacle and how Bankman Fried has managed to dictate terms with the lawmaker. And here's Zero Hedge's tweet, quote, It may take me 50 years to learn what happened in the company I ran, but by God, I swear it will be my duty to appear before Congress sometime in 2089. This is because Sam Bateman Fried's tweet to Representative Waters reads thusly, Representative Waters and the House Committee of Financial Services. Once I have finished learning and reviewing what happened, I would feel like it was my duty to appear before the committee and explain. I'm not sure that will happen by the 13th, but when it does, I'll testify. <laughs> Another user pointed toward the hefty donations made by the former CEO to the Democratic Party, implying that his donations have given him leverage to get away with stealing people's money while telling Congress when he will testify. A popular crypto influencer that goes by the Twitter name Crypto Bull called Bankman Fried a Democratic rat. 
who stole $8 billion in people's money without facing any consequences while there are people in jail for smoking marijuana. Another Twitter call uh, user called it a disgrace that a man who stole money from customers has the leisure to dictate terms with Congress. The user wrote, quote, he shouldn't have the option of at his leisure. They need to subpoena him to show up and get the handcuffs ready. Learning what happened is a complete lie. Many in the crypto community have questioned the lawmakers in the U.S. over their failure to act swiftly against the disgraced CEO. Others have pointed toward Bankman Fried's hefty donations to Democrats and his political affiliations. Well, remember, he, he donated to Republicans, too. It, it honestly, this this doesn't this Democrat versus red versus blue team doesn't really hold any water here. What what you're looking at is the fact that this guy is just refusing to testify to Congress after he stole the funds of American citizens. He stole a lot more than that from a whole bunch of citizens in different countries. But uh, the minute that he was doing it with the United States citizens, he came under the ire of the finance committee and banking committees and all the rest of the regulatory morass that you have to go to or through to be able to do business with American citizens. That's why a lot of people don't want to do business with American citizens. It's just too damn difficult. But when you do, well, you called it when you call down the thunder, you get the lightning too, pal. So I, I don't know what to tell you there, Sammy. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not anything happens to this guy at all. They're running him through the washing machine as we speak. I don't know. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities and everything is in the red today. We'll start with West Texas Intermediate down a full three and a half points. $77.22 per barrel. Brent North Sea likewise down 3.12%, $82.90 a barrel. Natural gas is the one that's really taking it on the chin today. Down 10.68% to $5.61. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where it used to be a long time ago. Our gasoline is down 3% to $2.21 a gallon. All your metal rocks are sucking swamp water. Gold down 1.69%. Silver is down 3.85% to $22.35. Platinum is down 2.19. Copper down 1.96. Palladium is down 1.4. Ag is mixed. And the ones that are taking it on the chin are yeah, there is, it's rough, like rough rice, down three and a half points. Chocolate down 2.48%, and wheat is down 2.76%. Indices, Dow is down 1.65%. S&P down over 2%. NASDAQ likewise over 2% to the downside. And S&P mini, 2.9% to the down. Now, real money is at $16,936. I guess we couldn't hold the 17,000 mark. We have uh, 913 transactions waiting on a single block to clear. We have a $325.6 billion market cap. That's 2.64% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may pick up 9.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are. 19,225,023.42 of and 5,070.89 of those little psalm bitches are in the Lightning Network valued at $85.9 million being run over, wow, less than 16,000 nodes now. 
we're at 15,991 total nodes, but still have a total payment channel count of 76,318 and 68.8% .8 of all that shit's being run over Tor. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And I am on the other side of all manner of chicanery with weird phone calls and you know, stuff happening. So let's, let's get into the second part of all of this stuff. Uh, going to start this one off with European Bitcoin company relay reports. If I can get to it because my mouse is being weird. Um, let's do it again. Bitcoin magazine, BTC Casey authoring European Bitcoin company relay reports record volumes, despite ECB's Bitcoin warning. Wow, it's taking me a long time to get into this one, isn't it? Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties are a bitch. Relay, a Swiss company that provides a non-custodial Bitcoin wallet app, has reported that November of 2022 was its best month in terms of volume and revenue. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, the app saw an increase of 60% compared to the previous month of October 2022. The company also reports that November 2022 was its best month for both active users as well as new users, saying that more people downloaded the app in November than in September and October combined. Simultaneously, the Director General of Market Infrastructure and Payments at the European Central Bank and an advisor released an article on November the 30th entitled Bitcoin's Last Stand that described Bitcoin as being on the road to irrelevance. The paper criticized the investment thesis of Bitcoin, the technology's importance, and its relevance as a payments mechanism. This stance isn't necessarily new as the ECB has expressed its contempt for Bitcoin before. Yes, on several occasions, in fact. In response to this and the recent data, CEO and co-founder of Relay, or Relay, uh, Julian Linger, said, if Bitcoin is doomed to fail, why is the ECB spending so much effort attacking it over and over? To me, it seems that it boils down to either not understanding Bitcoin and mixing it up with crypto, or that the ECB, in fact, understands and fears it. Looking at our numbers and the positive long-term sentiment in the Bitcoin community shows that the ECB is just out of touch with what is happening in the real world. In fact, the ECB is on the road to irrelevance and Bitcoin is just getting started, end quote. A recent update covered in Bitcoin Magazine means Relay has now or now has support for 24-7 Bitcoin purchases on Visa, MasterCard, and Apple Pay. With this and further expected investment into the user experience of the app, the company continues on its stated mission of being Europe's easiest and quickest way of acquiring Bitcoin. So Relay... Clearly not listening to what the ECB has to say. And yes, I, I think I read you that ECB thing the other day. But yeah, it's just one of the 430 Bitcoin obituaries. And you can find that if you Google or, or DuckDuckGo Bitcoin obituaries, there is a webpage that shows every article and links to every article that has ever been written about the death of Bitcoin or Bitcoin is dead or so long Bitcoin or Bitcoin's on the road to irrelevance. These are all Bitcoin obituaries and you can find and read all the articles. And I swear to God, these things stretch back to 2011. 
Bitcoin's been declared dead more times than Kenny in South Park, which is sort of my, my namesake, because that's why I chose Kenny as the base of uh, the avatar for the show and my Twitter handle, which is now dead, but uh, because Kenny dies and then he continuously is alive, just like Bitcoin. Kenny's the perfect poster boy for Bitcoin, even wears orange. Now, continuing, Austin Littman is writing this one for BitcoinNews.com. What ancient stone money can teach us about Bitcoin? Hundreds of years ago in paradise, one of the most unique forms of money was invented by the Yap tribe on an island east of Indonesia. It was a single stone. These stones were 12 feet tall and weighed thousands of pounds. A single stone could represent an entire village's value, marriage, inheritance, political deals, alliances, even war and regular trade. So how did this all work from a rock? These stones were tough to make. The tools on Yap Island were very primitive. Quarrying them and transporting them over rafts was difficult and time consuming. So a single stone represented thousands of hours of labor and even the human lives lost in creating it. It was kept in a central spot in the village. Whenever a trade would occur, it would be announced in front of the entire tribe. Everyone knew who owned what portion so that no single individual could lie. Then a big uh uh-oh happened. An American named David O'Keefe got shipwrecked on Yap Island. He observed what they found to be valuable, fixed his ship, and sailed home. And then he comes back, obviously with explosives and tools to mine stone. However, the chief banned his explosives and devices because they were defeating the entire purpose of what makes the stones valuable. They were hard to make, you know, proof of work. Some people got greedy and wanted to make money, so they secretly used them. Tons of stones were created and civil wars broke out as people decided which stones they would count as money and which did not. Eventually, paradise was lost. Can we go back in time and hire that chief from Yap Island to run run America's money printer, please? He somehow knew about hyperinflation before we made that word up. Now, it's just a reminder of the stones of Yap because that's a, a, a great story about money and different ways of thinking about what money is. In this case, the central ledger was the oral history of these people. Now, I'm sure that there were stories that they told each other that had nothing to do with transactional value. You know, like somebody, you know, telling the story of their friend tripping over a tree root and, you know, breaking their nose and laughed and all that kind of stuff. That's not a transaction, right? That's not a transaction. But who got married? Who is owed what? Who built something for who? Those stories are the central ledger. And everybody has a copy of that ledger. Why? Because back in that day, not only in that day, but in ancient times of which these people were still very much a part of, even though they were in the more modern, modern years of especially the, you know, the America and all that kind of stuff, they still held true to verbal histories, oral tradition. We've lost all that. There is not a single one of us that knows anything about oral tradition. Hell, I'll bet you don't know a tenth of your family's history. I don't know mine, okay? I'm not pointing the finger at you and laughing or anything. I'm just saying that this is another way to look at keeping a ledger. It's an oral ledger. 
And that's important to note because that's what we have with Bitcoin, except it's not oral, it is digital. So there is a loss of, of, of that dynamic, but it's still copied across thousands of nodes and hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin mining machines. So that's one of the ways that we're getting this back is through Bitcoin. And, you know, it just so happens. I don't think Satoshi Nakamoto was going, we need to replicate the stones of Yap. I, I doubt it. But there's this thing that, that resides in humans that when we're pushed to a limit and a limit is met, we do things like publish a hundred grievances by nailing it to the wall or the door of a church. We have a tendency to do things like create an incorruptible money that everybody has a copy of the ledger and nobody can lie to each other because math keeps it all in check. You wanna see humans get pushed to the limit even more? Wait till CBDCs are the de facto bullshit in some country or another and watch what happens to that citizenry. God forbid it happens in the United States. I mean, I don't want it to happen anywhere, but it is going to happen. You know, China's fallen first, Pakistan and India may be right behind them. And you got to ask yourself, why do the people in control of this stuff seek that control? My suggestion is that they're just born sociopaths. Now, Happier Stories built with Bitcoin opens a Bitcoin technology center in Ijiju, Ghana. Bitcoin Magazine, BTCKC, again is writing, the Built with Bitcoin Foundation has opened yet a new Bitcoin technology center in Ijishu, Ghana, a city in greater Kamasi, as a legacy for the inaugural African Bitcoin Conference. The center will be run by Ghanaians for Ghanaians, according to a press release sent by Bitcoin Magazine or sent to Bitcoin Magazine. BWB founders Ray Youssef and Youssef Nasseri plan to reveal the campus on Thursday, December the 8th, 2022, with a tour attended by various members of the international Bitcoin community. The main goal of the Bitcoin Technology Center, according to the press release, is to equip the local community with skills and knowledge within the finance and technology industries. It's also intended to build community and foster a safe environment to learn. Support for the facility comes from the Edwanasi community, Blockchain Foundation Africa, and the Bitcoin community. Eight employees will work there, including administrators and lecturers. The release detailed some of the various subjects to be taught at the center, including financial literacy, understanding money. Another is introduction to Bitcoin. Yet another is entrepreneurship. There's another one for introduction to computers and introduction to coding. The facility will be free to access and the center aims to educate and train approximately 400 people in the first year. In addition to the education and training provided, the site will serve as a location for monthly meetups. BWB is a humanitarian organization devoted to creating equitable opportunity by providing clean water, access to quality education, sustainable farming, and humanitarian support, all powered by Bitcoin and God forbid cryptocurrencies, according to the foundation's website. Built with Bitcoin has completed several humanitarian projects before, including an education center in South Africa in collaboration with Bitcoin Akasi, a ferry for a school in El Salvador that had no access prior to that and a well, uh, a, a water well project in Nigeria that provided over 1,000 villagers with access 
to clean water on the importance of providing educational access to the community necessary stated quote the bedrock of any community is education whether that be financial health agriculture and so on education is also key to protecting vulnerable communities from bad actors and teaching people how bitcoin can support them and their families through entrepreneurship financial inclusion knowledge and social empowerment so the Bitcoin, uh, the Built with Bitcoin project also marches forward in the midst of the bear market. This is, the meme is this bear markets are for building. There's a reason memes exist. When, when an idea is so pronounced and just comes over and over and, and it happens over and over and over again, eventually somebody's going to make a meme out of it. That's one of the ways that memes are born. So the meme is actually correct. Bitcoin bull or uh, bear markets is when you build, unless you're an AAX client. AAX clients storm the exchange's offices in Lagos following operations halt. This is torches and pitchforks, people. Cointelegraph, Ana Paula Pereira, I guess is how you pronounce it, is writing. Nigerian customers of the crypto exchange AAX stormed the company's offices in Lagos and harassed the employees after the exchange halted withdrawals, according to a December 3rd report by a leading Nigerian news website. Although it's unclear when the assaults happened, the Nigerian Blockchain Technology Association stakeholders decried the attack on November the 28th. It urged angry users to be patient with the exchange's workers who have also been impacted by the withdrawal freeze, Saban noted. Uh, the attack on November the 28th. Okay, they reported it on December the 3rd. That's what's going on there. Okay, yeah. Quote, uh, therefore, we appeal to and discourage any dissatisfied or angry user or investor from harassing or victimizing the AAX county or country manager of Nigeria other local staff members, and AAX ambassadors nationwide. These persons are also facing the same situation as disgruntled users and investors are. At the time of writing this notice, we are aware that communication between these persons and AAX headquarters have been equally strained at this time. We therefore appeal for understanding and patience from all Nigerian AAX users, end quote. The drama started on November the 14th, when the exchange halted withdrawals, citing a glitch in the system upgrade. AAX assured its community that the halt in withdrawals had no connection to FTX's collapse, denying ties with the embattled exchange. The AAX team said on November the 15th that it was working on raising additional capital, raising uh, or as investors have been withdrawing their funds amid concerns that contagion would spread further following FTX's bankruptcy. The Saiban commented on the situation, quote, considering that AAX's systems upgrade came at a time FTX collapse is still causing contagion effects on the entire crypto industry. AAX's timing of its system upgrade was suspicious and questionable in the first place. Consequently, for many AAX users and the members of the public, the prolonged system upgrade until the time of writing, this notice significantly raises more questions than it answers. And AAX, contrary to its promise to maintain a daily update of the situation, has so far neglected or failed to maintain the trust and confidence of its users, end quote. 
The Nigerian Association also noted that its members are among the affected clients. On November the 28th, Ben Caselin, Vice President for Global Marketing and Communications at AAX, resigned from his position, raising speculation that the exchange might not resume operations. According to Caselin, despite his efforts in fighting for the community, of course, none of the initiatives we came up with were accepted. Any role I had left for communication became hollow. The former AAX executive also expressed disagreement with the way that AAX is handling its issues, describing its actions as without empathy and overly opaque. That's because they're scamming you, or at least they already scammed your ass because they probably do have contagion to FTX. Almost all the shit coiners do at this point. Um, that's why I don't walk into a room full of sick people because I don't want to get sick myself. That's why I stay as far away from shit coiners as I possibly can. Now, next up, Nexo. Remember when I played you that that excerpt for that podcast where, uh, was it, uh, what block, uh, was block fine? Uh, HQ or something like that. Some podcast where the guy was crying about how everything was really bad and, and they keep hijacking our technology and doing bad things with it. And they're all the time they're being, they're having to advertise Nexo exchange because that's one of their sponsors. Well, Nexo to depart the United States after regulator discussions hit a dead end. Nicholas day Coindesk tells us more about the demise of Nexo. I told you Nexo was next up, bitches. Crypto lender Nexo said Monday that it would stop offering products and service in the United States in the coming months and would immediately halt access to its earned interest product in eight states, as well as no longer signing up any new U.S. customers to the earned product. Nexo said it had been in talks with both state and federal regulators in the United States, but these have come to a dead end. The company did not provide many specifics about these discussions, but said it had shared information with the regulators and tried to proactively modify its business to respond to these law enforcement agencies' concerns. Nexo had already offboarded earned clients in New York and Vermont at those states' regulators' insistence, a blog post said. It will now suspend access in Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Wisconsin, California, and Washington State. Ooh, that's where I'm at. Residents of these states can continue using Nexo's other services. Quote, it is now unfortunately clear to us that despite rhetoric to the contrary, the United States refuses to provide a path forward for enabling blockchain businesses, and we cannot give our customers confidence that regulators are focused on their best interests. The blog post said, the company did not provide a firm timeline for the overall withdrawal, but Nexo listed grievances with U.S. regulators throughout the blog post saying, quote, although regulators initially encouraged our cooperation and a sustainable path forward appeared viable, recent events hinting at the turmoil caused by FTX's collapse have created an impossible environment for the company to continue operating. Quote, this was made crystal clear by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's decision <clears throat> this past Thursday, insisting it was jurisdiction to investigate our earned interest product, which the Securities and Exchange Commission and state regulators have simultaneously insisted is a security subject to their jurisdictions, the blog post said. 
It also pointed to enforcement actions brought in September by eight different states, including New York and California, alleging that the company's earned product violated state securities laws. At the time, Nexo told Coindesk that it had already ceased the onboarding of new U.S. clients for its earned product. Crypto lenders in general have had a tough year in the United States, with many of Nexo's largest competitors, including BlockFi, Celsius Network, and Voyager Digital, all filing for bankruptcy protection within the past few months. So I told you Nexo was Nexto. Okay? I'm not tooting my own horn. What I'm saying is that the longer I stay in this space, the easier it is to figure out what is, what is actually going on and who is most at risk. And it's not because there's a crystal ball. It's because there's just, I have experience. It's fascinating to watch yourself go from a complete pleb newbie, know nothing about anything into somebody that can actually make some pretty decent calls. But it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with crystal balls. I'm not laying out tarot spreads or anything like that. It's just, yeah, I could just, I can just, it's like, I don't know. It's like that dude in the matrix. I don't even see the code anymore. I just see blonde, redhead, brunette, you know, it's like that. And when those old sons of bitches we're crying on whatever block fine HQ podcast. And they were having to still shill Nexo because they had a three month agreement with them to do so. I knew Nexo was, was next. I could just feel it in my bones. And of course there it is. Nexo is in fact next. Uh, now this is interesting. Naked mole rat, Brian Armstrong, Um, He says, well, he rejects FTX's accounting error and says that the funds were obviously stolen. Credit where credit is due. Just, I don't like Brian. He was on the wrong side of the whole, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, S2F. Oh, the, the bigger blocks thing back in, in 2017. He was on the wrong side of that. But sometimes I agree with him. Coinbase Chief Executive Brian Armstrong on Saturday condemned SBF's account of how FTX found itself in an $8 billion hole. Armstrong said there is no way, no way billions of dollars could have simply slipped past FTX's founder and former CEO who graduated from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology with a degree in physics. Quote, I don't care how messy your accounting is. You're going to notice if you find an extra $8 billion to spend, he stated on Twitter. Even the most gullible person should not believe Sam's claim that it was a mere accounting error, end quote. Coinbase's CEO went on to state how he believed the mismatch on FTX's balance sheet was created. Quote, it's stolen customer money used in his hedge fund, plain and simple, Armstrong wrote. In the wake of the FTX collapse, it has been alleged that $10 billion worth of customer funds had been secretly transferred to Alameda Research, a hedge fund co-founded by Bankman-Fried, according to reporting from Reuters. But Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, has claimed that he didn't knowingly commingle funds. Bullshit. Between FTX and Alameda. Again, bullshit. He chalked the $8 billion hole up to lackluster accounting in a recent interview with Bloomberg. He explained that funds from FTX users depositing money into their accounts were being sent to Alameda because some banks were more willing to work with a hedge fund than a crypto exchange. 
This led to some assets being double counted as users' accounts were credited. FTX has since been described as a company with faulty corporate controls by John J. Ray III, who oversees the exchange's bankruptcy as its new CEO. The prominent lawyer, perhaps best known for handling the Enron collapse, described the FTX situation as unprecedented. And court documents have revealed the exchange did not have an accounting department. The exchange did not have an accounting department. How do you not have accounting? I ran a small business for like three years. There was accounting. You had to do it. You had to, I had to send the quarterlies into the bank to make sure that they weren't going to pull our loan. That's part of the deal. How does this shit happen? I don't know, man. But Coinbase has seized on the collapse of FTX to depict itself as a trusted name in crypto. They are not. As the collapse of SBF's empire casts a shadow of the entire industry and its prospective future. Less than a week after FTX filed for bankruptcy, Coinbase took out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal in tri- entitling Trust Us. Oh my God, I had no idea this happened. Less than a week after FTX filed for bankruptcy, Coinbase took out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal titled Trust Us. It said millions of people had recently placed their trust and money with others that didn't deserve it. Oh my God. And I'm looking at the page right now and in great big letters at the very top in quotes, no less, it says, trust us. Holy smokes, man. The swift shuttering of FTX has nonetheless tainted investors' faith in crypto when it comes to both the price of digital assets and equities tied to the industry. Following FTX bankruptcy, uh, the filing on November the 11th, Coinbase's stock price has fallen 17% to uh, $47.67 up, or which is down from $57.46 previously. And I think that son of a bitch got up as high as 400 bucks a share. So Brian Armstrong is definitely feeling the pain there. I may have to use, uh, I may have to use this trust us uh, ad as the album art for today's show, because that's just ridiculous. Now, <clears throat> three arrows liquidators next up, they seize $35 million and seek a 30 million or seek $30 million more for the much wow super yacht. Matt DeSilvo explains further decrypt.co liquidators for collapsed crypto hedge fund, three arrows capital, Today said they seized $35.6 million in cash held by the failed firm in Singaporean banks. They also managed to recover a couple million more from token sales and want clearance from a court to get $30 million from the sale of the firm's much wow super yacht. Hmm. In a Friday filing in U.S. bankruptcy court in the Southern District of New York, Coint appointed liquidator Taneo said that they started to take control of the assets uh, held by 3AC or its pre-appointment lawyers, liquidators added that they also recovered $2.8 million from forced redemptions of investments, as well as unspecified amounts of 60 different crypto tokens and NFTs. Three Arrows Capital went bust in July after a court in the British Virgin Islands ordered it to liquidate. The Singaporean-based firm, which invested client money in, a, in new crypto ventures, was hit hard by the collapse of crypto project Terra in May. 
Taneo said in Friday's document that although 3AC's founders, Sue Zhu and Kyle Davies, have been speaking to the media, they have largely ignored liquidators. The High Court of the Republic of Singapore this week ordered the co-founders to cooperate and submit affidavits outlining their dealings with the company. Taneo claimed that 3AC founders repeatedly failed to engage with liquidators, including a Zoom meeting where they kept their video off and microphones muted throughout the call. <laughs> oh my God. Singapore Council provided email addresses to contact the founders. However, the founders and their council have not been responsive to liquidators' communications. Friday's document read. The liquidators' pre presentation also addressed the company's so-called super yacht, which Sue and Davies called Much Wow, a nod to the Doge meme. Taneo said it has filed a claim in the Cayman Islands for the yacht's liquidation for $30 million. Three Arrows is one of many high-profile crypto companies crushed by this year's brutal bear market, which was caused nearly, has caused nearly every digital asset to plunge in price, taking major firms and platforms along with it. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So this super yacht is not really a super yacht. Okay, I don't know why they're calling it a super yacht. A super yacht is like five decks, a, a helipad, and more than one swimming pool, or at least a swimming pool and a jacuzzi. Okay, this is a regular yacht. This is like, you know, it's nothing I could afford, but $30 million does not a super yacht make. Still, though, they named it much wow. These people don't care about you. And you can tell when they name their boat that they bought with your money after Doge. Jeez, oh, that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Monday. Dad says jokes coming out swinging hard. I asked the doctor if I could administer my own anesthetic. He said, knock yourself out. You know, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can do that with Fountain App. No, they are not a sponsor. I wish they were. Maybe I should just call them and say, will you sponsor me? Anyway, I still use them because it's my daily driver as far as podcasting is concerned. I use it for all my podcasts, even those that are not podcast 2.0 enabled. Yes, you can listen to any podcast as long as it's in the podcast index, which is like every podcast ever. Even the ones that aren't being recorded anymore are still in there. If you want to give me a boostagram, send me a message, you know, announce a marriage, announce a birth, announce a, I don't know, a Bitcoin meetup. I don't care. If you just want to spin your thoughts, you do it, you know, and I don't even care how much you give me. Homeboy was giving me 321 sats. I read his entire list of ideas on the air. I do the same thing for 20,000, 10,000. The only time that I'll stop ever reading every single boostagram that I ever get is if a boostagram segment approaches longer than 10 minutes. Because I believe everybody deserves to have their voice. And if I can provide this as a platform for you to voice what it is that you want to say, as long as you're not dealing in, you know, like if you're dealing in the same kind of shit that our dear leaders across the world deal in. And I mean, uh, 
child love, the pedos, you know, ped pedography or whatever you port, you know, you know what I'm saying? For some reason, I'm having an extreme brain fart. If you want to print, if you think that printing money is a good idea, don't bother telling me about it in a boostergram. If you think that anybody in the government cares about us and here's why, don't bother sending me a boostergram. I'm not going to read that shit. I'm not going to read about anything about how I should consider using actual pronouns instead of sir, sire, my liege, my la- you know, my lord, which are my pronouns in my Macedon bio because I think it's funny. But if you actually think that I need to respect pronouns, I ain't got time for that shit, bro. I just, I literally don't have time for it. Do I have my thing? Nah, I don't. I was going to throw that up there as nobody got time for that, but I can't find it. Anyway, you can also stream me Satoshis on that son of a bitch and I can stream you these dulcet tones. Uh, There's really not much left to say for the day. Um, Other than be very careful out there. No, I do not think that the bottom is actually all the way in. I think we're starting that. That's where I think we're at. But what I'm waiting for is is more minor capitulation. I'm waiting for at least one of the top three mining companies to either file bankruptcy or signal that they are under extraordinary duress and that they're going to have to, without doing a chapter 13 or chapter 11 or chapter 15, that they're going to have to somehow restructure their business dealings or downsize in a dramatic fashion. And at that point, I will call it the midway through this bottom. Now, I saw something about a $5,000 price target. Uh, That was out of Cointelegraph. I was not going to read you that story because I think that they're full of shit. Doesn't mean that it can't happen. I just, I don't know, man. I don't think we see that again. Uh, I hope I'm not jinxing us here, but I, I don't know, man. There's all, there's just so many solid Bitcoin holders out there. I was seeing grass from Dylan LeClaire and it's just the people that are holding and not moving their Bitcoin, that graph just goes up and to the right and it doesn't really ever falter. And with so much of the outflows of all these exchanges, I don't think we're safe, but I also don't think that we're in horrible, horrible danger and we should all just freak the fuck out. I think that the, what we should be doing is we should stay calm. We should, you know, uh, make sure that we stay informed about what's going on. I will do my part by bringing you as many shows as I can, giving you the daily news. And with that, I'll do it again on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.